go. How's that? Is that better? Okay. Can you hear me now? That kind of thing? All right. Very good. Well, um, thanks, Elijah, for reading uh, Matthew chapter 20 for us this morning, verses 1 through 16. Before we dive into this text, something this week, uh, something really cool happened this week, and I've just got to share it with you. We had something, a lot of fun happen on Monday night. So Monday night was Chelan High School's Night of Excellence Award Award night, and so that night is where we honor our high school students who've done really well academically, um, perseverance awards, other awards, um, and then there was an award that's very rarely given out at Chelan High School. Um, in fact, in time, Mr. DePauli's time there, they've only given this award out four times, um, and it's a merit award. Um, and now you may have heard of merit scholars. Some of you have heard of merit scholars for people who apply to be really smart, genius people for that. They also give merit awards out for accomplishments and for um, surviving and doing a lot of different things. And so um, four awards given Mr. Pauly's time. Well, one of those was given on Thursday or Monday night. And Mr. DePauli was up there describing what the award was given for. During the course of this year, um, one of the, perf- the teachers who um, puts together the annual, the yearbook for Chelan High School, um, grew really sick and was unable to continue. Um, and so if this student hadn't stepped up and took on the yearbook, there would have been no high school yearbook for the class of 2016. Um, and so we're hearing all this take place, and we're, we're there supporting Ethan and some of other our kids. And, and Annalise Simpson was awarded the Merit Award. I don't know where you at, Annalise. She's hiding back there. Annalise, raise your hand. It was a lot of fun to have Annalise awarded that. But what's really cool is as we've been talking about being God's kingdom people and out of Matthew chapter 20 and then working our way through the text of Matthew, is that God is working in and through Annalise's life. And that doing yearbooks and that being in school and her academics and taking care of all that, she's doing it as a worship unto the Lord. And to see the kingdom being worked out in Annalise's life and in her heart and watching her go up on the stage, my heart was just thrilled as she put the kingdom of God on display in front of a whole school as God was using the everyday stuff of life, your books, taking pictures to say, you know what? God is good and he uses all things for his glory. Pretty cool. I was very excited for Annalise on Monday night. Thank you, Annalise, for your faithfulness and for allowing God to work through you in those things. It was really cool. Fun things to celebrate. It was a lot of fun, too, is that a lot of our Livingstone Church family was present, was there, and you should have heard them erupt. I mean, we were like shot to our feet. We're screaming and hollering. And we embarrassed her a little bit, and I continue to embarrass her today. But I, I warned her earlier I was going to do that. So it should be okay, right, Annalise? Sure. All right. I'm the pastor. I get away with things, right? Sometimes. All right. This morning we're in Matthew chapter 20. And this text is telling a parable about what Jesus is trying to explain something further to his disciples. And so we kind of have to go back to Matthew 19, what we talked about last week, and briefly go over it. That passage that we began last week talked about that as kingdom peoples, God's kingdom people, that we're to have a heart of a child. Not a brain of a child, but a heart of a child. And there's a, there's a difference. The heart of a child is wholly dependent on its parents for its needs, for meeting, you know, clothing, food, housing. The heart of a child is dependent and is leaning in to trust God for those things. And so we as believers, we as kingdom people, need to have that reliant heart on God that we should never outgrow that heart. And so when Jesus gets on to the disciples for not allowing the children to come to him, he explains to them, hey, when you see kids, you need to have this understanding that your hearts need to be like them. 
You shouldn't resent them. You shouldn't think of them as a nuisance. You know, I, you know, I grew up in a day and age where a lot of kids were to be seen and not heard. Anybody else grew up in that era? A few of us, yeah. And, and, but Jesus is saying, hey, you know what? They're, they're a treasure and they're precious and they should be reminding you that you need to have that reliant heart on me. And then we kind of see the opposite. We have the rich young ruler come onto the scene. And the rich young ruler, man, he does not lean into Christ. In fact, he's leaning into the things that he can trust in, his wealth, his possessions, those things that take care of himself. And he's like, when Jesus confronts him and says, hey, I need you to get rid of those things and come follow me, he's unable to do so because he's, he's, those are the things that he worships and he relies on. And so his heart isn't leaning into God, trusting God. His heart's leaning into the things that he has in this world and trusting on those things. And God's saying, that's not what kingdom people do. Kingdom people trust in God, lean into him, not pursue the things of this world to trust in. Because they disappoint. You know, there's a great statement made by a pastor a really long time ago that you never see a U-Haul behind a hearse, right? Eventually, possessions and things will let you down. And so we see now as we look into this text, and Jesus, the disciples go, well, hey, we followed you, we pursued you, what about us? And Jesus tells them, hey, listen, one of these days when you're in the kingdom, the future kingdom to come, that you're going to sit on 12 thrones and judge the 12 nations of Israel. And that is like mind-blowing to think about, you know, a tax collector who's like the scum of the earth, scum of the society kind of guy to stand in judgment over the Jewish people, over a tribe. And Jesus is saying, this is possible because of my redemptive plan, because of what I'm doing in you and you following me and pursuing me. So just in case there's any misunderstanding, Jesus is going to now give them a parable, a story that has incredible spiritual significance and meaning. One of the ways parables and stories are so powerful is they change the things that we see every day and give us now a spiritual image and a spiritual perspective of those things. And so and we get to relate to this text very well. Now, how, in Chelan Valley, we must, I mean, how many, do we have any idea how many vineyards and orchards or vineyards we got around us? A lot, right? A ton. And just a ton of us around us. So I think as we look out this day, as we pull out of the parking lot, look around these vineyards, hopefully we might gain just a little bit of different perspective as we see the vineyards and go, hey, that's going to make me think about this, what they talked about in the text. So we're going to dive into this this morning as Jesus begins telling the disciples a parable to reinforce what he has just told them. And it's a change, a massive change in thinking. I'm going to pray real quick and we'll get started. Father God, I thank you so much for what you're doing in our hearts and our lives. And you're changing our perspective on things. And you're changing the way we think about things. And we want to understand them the way you want us to understand them. The way that it's part of your kingdom understanding. Lord God, I pray that you challenge all of our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So we dive into Matthew chapter 20. And Jesus says, for the kingdom of heaven is like... And we're going to see different stories and different parables that Jesus is going to tell the disciples, tell his religious leaders of what the kingdom of heaven is to be like. Now, we've got two different understandings of the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is present now as the king of God, the king, excuse me, the king, Jesus Christ, has come. And he's reigning in our hearts and our lives. And so the kingdom is present in the believers of Jesus Christ, you and me. So I don't know if you ever thought that way, but you and I were part of a kingdom. And where the world knows that the Jesus has come because of us, the kingdom is present in us. But we also have the understanding of the future kingdom to come when Jesus is going to crack the sky, take us home, and create an everlasting kingdom where there's no more pain, suffering, death, dying, 
sin, we're going to rejoice with God forever. Now, I've challenged us several times. So many times we began to think about that, and people painted images like all dogs go to heaven, right? I mean, all, I mean you've seen that. All dogs go to heaven. Come on. Oh, I know a lot of you aren't fessing up to that one. Come on now. And the dogs are up there playing harps on the clouds, right? You know, and every dude in the room's going, I don't want to go to heaven because if that's what heaven's like, I'm not sitting on no stinking cloud playing a harp for all of eternity. That's not even attractive at all. Trust me, God is a very masculine guy, and God has got an amazing plan for us in his kingdom work, and we're going to be put to work, and we're going to be doing some amazing things, some courageous things for him. It's not going to be harps on clouds, okay? So just get that image out of your head of the future kingdom to come. And so we got this kingdom understanding that Jesus is saying the kingdom of heaven's like this. And he's going to change the way we think about it. Now, when Jesus tells a parable, one of the key things to understand is what do things represent within the parable? Well, the landowner in the parable is representative of Jesus, okay? And the vineyard that he's going to talk about is the kingdom, okay? That's the present kingdom we have right now that Jesus is calling people into. So it says here that Jesus, he goes out on the sixth hour. Well, the sixth hour, excuse me, the first hour. The first hour is 6 a.m. in the morning. Now, what may be a little bit different for you, and it was kind of struck me, and, and I'll tell you why it struck me a little bit odd, that the landowner would go out and he would find people to work in his vineyard. This is odd to me a little bit because when I left the military the first time, I was a Sergeant E5 when I got out, I had a bachelor's degree, and I thought, man, everybody's they're going to see my resume, and I'm going to have 50 job offers the first week. I, man, I am prime time, right? I got a bachelor's degree. I've been served in the Army. I've been an NCO. I've watched over troops. I've gone to Kuwait. I've done these really cool things, and people are going to see that, and they're going to go, wow. 40 job interviews later, I took a job for $26,000 a year, and I was married with a kid, and we were soon to have a kid on the way. We left the military to go for Christy to join and start PA school in, in uh, Glendale, Arizona. Forty job interviews. You think that takes a hit on your pride. Whew. And so when I'm sitting here reading this text, I think how amazing it would have been for me to like get my DD-214, walk out of the military, and a guy would have been there saying, I want you to come work for me. That would have been really cool. Didn't happen that way, but that would have been really cool. And you think about the people in this story, the individuals in the stories, they wake up that morning. Every person that's called to this work, they wake up that morning without a job, without an income, and without any way to take care of their families. They are doing nothing until the landowner, Jesus, goes out and he seeks them out and he calls them to the work. So it says here that Jesus went out at 6 a.m. in the morning, and he went out, and he found these some individuals, and they sit down at a little table maybe, and there he's like, okay, I need you to do this for me today, and I'm going to pay you this. And they're like, a denarii was a day's wage. It was the fair day's wage for back in those days. That's what you got paid. One day's wage was one denarii. So here we go. He gets paid. He They agree to this, and off they go into the vineyard. Now what's really cool is Jesus calls the people, and then he sends them into the vineyard. But there's work to be done in the vineyard. And this group of 6 a.m.ers, that's not enough. There's more people that need to become part of this work. And so Jesus goes back out at the third hour. So at 9 a.m., Jesus goes back out. And he calls people and he says, come on, come to work for me and I'll pay you a fair's wage. Now, now, fair's day's wage. Now, Now, understand, that's a little bit different. The first group that got called, they got full expectation of what they were going to receive at the end. The next group that gets called, it'll be fair. Don't worry about it. 
And they still went. The text tells us then he did it the same way again going out uh, after the third hour. He went out at the sixth hour and went out at the ninth hour. So he went out at noon and then at three. Now, these were back in the days before nice craftsmen and, and work lights, right? That you could shine in the fields and keep the lights light and turn the generators going and get the lights lit. So when sun went down, the work day was over. And here he is bringing people into the workforce at 12, maybe understandable, three. We're starting to stretch things a bit. And he says the same thing to them. Text says he told them the same thing. I'll pay you a fair's day wage. Just come on, get involved in the work. This last group, though, is just flat out perplexing. The landowner is looking out in his fields, and he's, he's, he's looking around. He goes, you know what? There's more work to be done. There's more work to be done in the vineyard. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go out at the 11th hour. So if you do your math, if military time folks have a little bit of advantage on this. And medical folks, is, as you look at 6 a.m. plus 11 hours, that's 1,700 hours. That's 5 p.m. Sundowns happen at 6, 6.30. Who in the world is you're going out to call people at 5 o'clock at night? Sundowns at 6.30? Who in the world is this landowner? They're not going to get hardly into the fields before the foreman's going to have to tell them. Because, yeah, I bring him in. The foreman's got to explain things to him. Put him to work. They're going to hardly get any work in before it's going to be the end of the day. But Jesus, when he goes out to call these guys, it's great. What a great statement. He goes out. He finds these guys just hanging out around the light post. They're hanging out at the marketplace. They're standing around. And Jesus says, why are you just standing here? And they're going, well, nobody... Nobody's called us to come work. Nobody sought us out to come work. So I don't know. I mean, if, if there have been other people, if there's other work going on, these guys were probably some riffraff. Okay? They, they're some sketchy individuals. And maybe maybe there were guys that, you know what, that probably looked like they couldn't put in a hard day's wage. Maybe some of them were hurt. Maybe some of them were missing limbs. You know, maybe there was something going on there that these people, I mean, Jesus comes up to them and says, why have you been put to work? And he says, nobody's called us. Jesus says, I've got work for you to do. Now think about it. It's 5 p.m. These guys are going to have to go home and tell their wives, I didn't get any employment today. They're going to have to go home and say, I didn't get any money for us to be able to put food on the table tonight. We're going to have to scrounge. We may have to starve again once again tonight because I couldn't put any food on the table for you tonight. It's the 11th hour. The day's almost gone and gone. Done and done and gone. And Jesus calls them. Now, what's fascinating when Jesus calls this group, when the king calls this group, is he doesn't tell them what they're going to make. He just says, go into the fields. They have no idea, but whatever it is, they're really excited. They're really excited to get called and get called into the fields and go work in the fields. Because guess what? Instead of going home that night and having to tell their family they couldn't get any work, they got work. It was late in the day. They got work, but they got something. They didn't get completely left out that day. Jesus is this gracious landowner that continues to go out throughout the day seeking those who's calling to his work and what's really cool again and again and again and each time jesus is seeking them out 
the landowner is continually going out. He doesn't have to. He doesn't have to continue to go out, but he goes out because he wants people to join in the work, the kingdom work in the vineyard. And so he continues to go out throughout the day, throughout the day, throughout the day, till the very end of the day, and he calls all these people in. That is not good economics. Most of you may be sitting here and thinking more, well, the good economics is you get as many people as you can at the beginning of the day and bring them into your vineyard or into the work that you've got to do so that they get a full day's opportunity to work and get the work accomplished. In fact, you're probably losing some valuable personal time by going out late in the day and bringing people in because you're going to have to explain everything to again and get them all started all over again. But Jesus is saying this, I'm flipping the way you understand things. I'm changing your perspective on how you understand when God calls people to his work. Because you think about who were the first people to get called. It was the Jewish people. And as the days and ages go on, the Jewish people were first called by God. But God is going to bring in these, these Gentiles, these unclean people, these, these weirdos, these, these people who are known for their cultic practices and the pagan rituals and this gross disgusting sin and and if god's going to call them too in the 11th hour the riffraff god is going to call and his disciples need to be ready to understand what you do with those people who are called at the 11th hour i was also given another great illustration from mike during first service he said you know as i'm sitting here thinking i'm also thinking about the people who maybe came to faith early on in life and they've walked in their faith all their life and they see somebody who's called to faith later in the life and they're like, really, they shouldn't receive what I got because they've been called later in life. But God calls people at all times because he wants people to join in the work that he is doing. God delights in it. Jesus delights in seeing people come and become part of the kingdom labor, become part of the kingdom work, and join in in it. In fact, it is satisfying, it is encouraging, it is uplifting, it is fulfilling to join in the kingdom work. And Jesus wants so many people to be a part of that, that even at the 11th hour, he's going out and calling people to him. Well, Jesus does something that is really interesting as well as when he goes to pay these people. This is really interesting. You know, if you're thinking about how Jesus should have paid them, well, he should have brought the guy in that he hired at 6 a.m., right? Because he, need, he needs to get home to his family and take care of his family, maybe, maybe buy some, some dinner on the way home and get home to his family. But he started early. He's worked all day in the heat of the sun and worked really hard. So it makes sense that Jesus would call him first. But Jesus tells his foreman, his pay guy, I want you to do something for me. I want you to bring the guy that we hired last, and I want you to pay him first. What? So the guy he hires last and he comes before him and, and, and he is paid a full day's wage. Now, I can only imagine how delighted that worker was. You see, that worker's got a full sense of understanding. I don't deserve this. He gets it. I don't deserve this. I'm the riffraff. I'm the guy that nobody wanted to hire. I'm the guy that nobody wanted to bring in. But you brought me in, and you not only brought me in. I mean, if, a, if we could equate like a dollar to a denarii, then he was probably expecting like a penny, right? He was expecting a very small amount of money. But he was just so happy to be able to take something home back to his wife and kids and to, to put food on or, or get something at least. At least he doesn't have to go home and say he didn't get anything. He's just, but to get a denarii, a full day's wage? What generosity, what incredible kindness this landowner has. 
to pay this full wage. And he is excited. I mean, he's probably doing skips with my darling all the way home. I mean, he is excited. He can't wait to get home and tell his family, oh my goodness, I worked for like an hour and I got this. I didn't deserve this. And they can rejoice together as a family. Well, not everybody's as happy as that guy. In fact, if you go on and reading the text here, and when those hired about the 11th hour came, each of them received a denarii. And now when the first hired came, they thought they would receive more. I mean, they're standing back there watching this take place, right? Oh, they only worked an hour. They got a denarii. Oh, man, we're in the money. I mean, they're thinking this. Oh, sweet. I'm going to get like five denarii. I worked all day in the heat of the sun. This is going to be amazing. And they're like, oh, this generous landowner, he's so great. He's so cool. They're, they're slapping each other, high-fiving each other. This is going to be sweet. We're going to be back here tomorrow, hopefully. I mean, they're excited. And all of a sudden, they get up there to receive their wage, right? And what does he do? Jesus gives them a denarii the day's wage. And they began to grumble and complain. Well, that's what they agreed upon. Remember, Jesus sat down with them at the beginning of the day and he said, hey, this is what I'm going to pay you for your wages today. This is what's accepted of you. This is what you're going to receive. And he, he, he laid it out for them. And if you think about how much faith it took for them to enter into that work that day, they were excited to be called again. They didn't have any work. They were given work to do. They were going to receive a wage. And they knew they had full expectation and understanding of what was going to happen. But the guys at the end of the day, they were called by Jesus, by the landowner, and sent without a full understanding of what they would receive. They entered into the workforce with faith that whatever they got would be good. Because they won't be going home with anything. They'll be going home with something. So here it is. You see this great picture, and these guys are grumbling about the wages that they should get more since they worked long. I mean, they've been in, you know, what movie is that? The Shrek. You know, I, I climbed the tallest tower. I went the, you know, it keeps repeating that throughout the whole story. Y'all need to see more cartoons. I'm telling you, okay? There's so many great sermon illustrations in cartoons, right? And, you know, he keeps, Prince Charming keeps repeating this whole thing, but he gets nothing in the end. In fact, he just shows that his true heart is of, of a bad guy, not even a good guy. And these people are, are grumbling and complaining, and instead of rejoicing that the riffraff, those who were going to go home with nothing, they get to go home with a full day's wages, they're angry because they didn't get what they thought they deserved. Jeffrey and I have been um, doing this pastor's school thing um, for last year down in Wenatchee with some, some great individuals. And I really struggled with this last speaker who came in, and it wasn't because he wasn't a good man of God, or it wasn't because he wasn't a faithful servant. It had everything to do with my own heart. These guys that they brought in to speak with us, Larry Osborne is a pastor in San Diego, California. Uh, he pastors an 11,000-member church. Um, they have like 10 different services they do. And, you know, and he gets to do all his time in Bible study because he's got this huge staff. And he just kind of sits in his, in his office and, you know, and he's, life seems to be grand. And, and Matt Chandler comes in and he's been a pastor of the Village Church in Dallas, Texas for 13 years. And they have 13,000 people attending their church. And every year their church has grown by almost 1,000. 
And I began to see these guys who, in some senses, well, in all senses, Larry was older than me, but I was older than some of the other ones. I was like, man, I've served in the military, God. I've been faithful servant in the military. I've done these hard things for you. My wife and I have moved 20 times. You know, my kids have gone through so much and all the moves and the different things and then coming to Schlan, a small community that's kind of hard to break into. We've adopted daughters. We, You know, God, we've done all these good things. And what in the world? I mean, I began to look, instead of looking to God and seeing how gracious this good king is, this landowner who gives me everything that I need for the day, I began to look parallel. And I began to look at other people and I look at their callings and what they've gone through, God, and say, God, you're, you're, I began to grumble in my heart. And it stinks because I missed out on some great teaching, I think, on, on Wednesday and Thursday. I missed out on things because I was, I was these guys. I was the guys that, that got hired early and, and started grumbling when I thought I didn't get my, what I justly deserved. And I love Jesus' words here. I find great comfort in them. So these guys, they started grumbling, saying these last worked only an hour, and you have made them equal to us. We have been burdened by the full day's work and the scorching heat. I got a sunburn on the back of my neck. I have my hands hurt. I have blisters. We've been at this all day. These guys are, didn't, didn't even get lightly tanned because they weren't out there that long. Their hands are like, didn't even, you know, they look like, you know, they've done nothing all day long and they're going to go home. And Jesus replies to them, now, you'd expect, I, I'm expecting the response here at this point to be like, you knucklehead. It's my land, my money, shut up. Today, when I found you, you were sitting on the step on your backside of your home with nothing going on but a day of nothing. And I found you, and I called you, and I brought you. Where's your gratefulness? But Jesus doesn't say that to them. And this is, this is what so makes the landowner so good and so amazing is even to those who are grumbling and complaining, those he has called and put into work in the labor, he has says to them, friend. Friend, I am doing no wrong, Jesus says to them. Did you not agree with me for a day's wage? Did you not agree with me for that? Did we not have an understanding? Did we not come to what was was agreed upon? And Jesus, I don't believe, is condemning them. And when he says to them, take what belongs to you and go, he's trying to get at their hearts so that they might understand what I have done is gracious. What I have done is good. What I have done is for the benefit of others. And we should be rejoicing in what was done for others, not grumbling and complaining against it. Jesus goes on to state to them, Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? It, it, I don't. If you like writing in your Bibles, or if you think that's okay, I do. I write in my Bible. I'll search things, highlight things. I would love for you to underline, highlight, circle, put a star next to those questions. You see, he's a good king. He's a generous king. And he has given us all that we have. He's, he's called us. He's provided for us. He's taken care of us. He's such a good king. And 
Here we are, and we do this so often as his followers, as his children. We turn to him and say, how dare you give to me what I, you're not giving to me what I think I deserve. And we got to understand that everything we have is from Jesus. Our homes, our houses, our jobs, our possessions, everything we have is a gift from him. How dare us turn to the one who provides all things, gives all things, And if it wasn't for him, we'd go home with nothing. He gives us all things, and we turn to him and we say, how dare you? This is not fair what you've given to me. This is not fair what you've done for me. I found my heart struggling with that this week and spending some good time repenting and confessing that in my own heart this morning as I just felt God was just saying to me, friend... (laughs) I am doing you no wrong. The pastor, Art, came a couple months ago to the school, and he stated something very powerful. He goes, pastors, God has given you everything you can handle. And I am thankful for that statement. God has given me everything that I need, including my church family and and. Because I don't need to be looking to guys who are writing books and, and and doing all these and having full staffs and all these things. And because you know what's funny is they're struggling too. Man, I wish it was back to simpler days when I had more time with people and I didn't have all this administration. And because that's what we do: we grumble and we complain. When Jesus is saying, "I am the good king," you see, this text isn't about the laborers. This text isn't about the vineyard. This text is about the good king. The king that calls us to his work and then the king that sends us into the work. And the most amazing thing about this, the king that provides the grace for us to do it. You see, the wages in this story is representative of God's grace. God graciously provides grace to all his children. He gives grace to those who are hired first. He gives grace to those who are hired last because he seeks them out. He calls them to himself, to his work. I don't know where you're at this morning as far as understanding what God is, why God has called your name. Or maybe you're wondering what it looks like to be called by God. What it looks like to be one of his family members, one of his children. And maybe you're struggling here this morning and you're going, you know, I, I've always thought that I was a Christian or I, you know, thought that, you know, going to church made me a Christian or I thought, you know, taking communion made me a Christian or getting baptized made me a Christian. When Jesus makes it kind of pretty clear, it's God calling us to be his children, us turning and following after him. Jesus has gone through this whole text and saying, follow me, follow me, follow me. And it's us recognizing that everything we have is from him and that we surrender our lives to him in pursuit of him. And what's really amazing is when we do that, when we surrender our lives to Jesus and we follow the good king, he calls us to an amazing work. And maybe in here this morning you're struggling with what, what life's about, what, what purpose is about, why do I go to school, why do I have this job, why do I have this family. Maybe you're a mom here this morning, and maybe you're feeling like, I don't deserve to be honored today. 
I've been struggling to be a good mom, a mom that is loving and kind and compassionate, and I don't deserve to be honored today. And you're hurting inside. And may I say to you, all those moms that maybe are hurting this morning, God's grace abounds to you. He loves you. He cherishes you. He's called you to be His. And He wants you to just take hold of that love and take hold of that grace and understand and, and that you can once again return to the vineyard because His grace has been poured out upon you to the work that He has prepared for you to beforehand to do. You see, Jesus tells us, God tells us in Ephesians, my Apostle Paul, that God called us not to just ourselves, but God called us to be about His work. He called us to be about what He wants us to be doing to the good work in the vineyard, to the good work of the kingdom. And He's drawing our hearts to be a part of that work. And in that work, we find the greatest fulfillment in all of life. Because everything else will fail us. The only thing that lasts for eternity is what we do for God in his kingdom work. The only thing that lasts is following Jesus. Everything else fades away. Our house will someday else, somebody else will buy it from us. Our bank accounts will be emptied out someday, either by us or by our kids or by our grandkids or by someone who will come along and, and take it away after we've died. Our jobs, someone else will hold our positions. They will take them. I won't be a pastor here forever. Somebody will come along and do a much better job than I've ever done. And I want them to because I want God's kingdom work to be continually done better and better in this place. You see, everything that we try to identify and hold on to in this life will fade away except for Jesus Christ and the pursuit of him and his kingdom work. And it gives us hope. It gives us peace. It gives us encouragement. Jesus says, these are my things that I want to give generously to you. Will you not receive them? Will you not take hold of them? Will you not cherish them? Will you not turn to your left and turn to your right and rejoice in what I'm doing in the lives of others? So many times as, as Christ followers, we turn to our right, we turn to our left and saying, I want what they've got. I want what they've got. God, why aren't you blessing me the way you bless them? Why aren't you God you blessing the way you bless them? Why aren't you doing those things for me? When Jesus is saying, shut up. Understand I am so generous in you. Look to me. Stop looking this way. Look to me. I am the good king that has generously provided for you. You have everything you need. And my grace has no end. And every day, at the end of the day, when the foreman calls us out of the vineyard to receive our wages, God says, I will give to you exactly what I have promised to give to you my grace. So my challenge to all of us this morning, first of all, whose work are we doing, ours or God's? Are we laboring in his vineyard? Or are we still trying to be like the rich young ruler who's saying, I'm working for myself? My second challenge to you this morning is if you've been called into the vineyard, are you rejoicing at the calling that God has laid on your heart to do for him? Are you ignoring that calling? And are you rejoicing with others who've been called with you to serve alongside? God is doing an amazing work and it's his kingdom people 
we have been called to an amazing task. In a few minutes, I'm going to do something different today since my two boys will be up here in the band. And if during this time that we're going to do a reflection time, Robert's going to tell you about here in a second. If during this time you're really struggling with this purpose and life and what God is doing and calling, I ask that you just, I'm going to be in the back, standing back there. You just come find me and we can pray together and spend some time together talking about the calling that fulfills us, strengthens us, and that will never have an end and that provides hope and peace. I want to talk with you and pray with you about this. I believe God is laying it upon many people's hearts right now, that God is doing a work right here and right now to call people to himself, to join in the work in the vineyard, to have hope and peace in life. Please join with me in prayer. Father God, I thank you that you are the good king and that for those of us who are children of God, we serve you and you alone. And if it hadn't been for you calling us, we would be left by the spiritual wayside and have no hope and live in a life where we are just struggling in complete darkness. But because of Jesus Christ calling us, we have eternal hope. Father God, thank you for what you're doing in our lives. Thank you for the challenges that you're issuing to us. Thank you for the work that you've given us to do. And Lord, I pray for those of us who are children of God here this morning that we would understand that we have been called to a task. We have been called to be kingdom people. And that our lives are not our own. We belong to you, the gracious, generous God, the good God. And Lord, because you're the good God, I don't have to be in control. I don't have to be worrying. I don't have to be manipulating. I don't have to be scheming. I can rest in the work you've called me to, and I can get up, and I can go, and I can pursue you. Lord God, may we truly rejoice together in the work that you have called us to. May we understand that you are a very generous and good God. In Jesus' name we pray, in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. You know, one of, my, one of the things that I like is I think about this landowner, and he's going out, and he went to find his laborers. Um, and he went and found laborers, and he gave them labor work. There wasn't a lot of uh, changing what they were good at. And as we think about just changing our perspective and... Um, you know, Jesus is calling us, and he's saying, come work for me. Um, but he's not asking us to to leave where he has us, change what we're good at, move across the world, pick up new skills. That landowner went and found laborers and gave them labor work. Um, so what he wants us to do is have a heart change, to go where we're working, to be where we're at, to build the relationships right where we're at, right with what we're doing, um, and make those about his kingdom work. Um, it's not about changing what we're doing, um, running off to seminary, running off to Africa. It's about knowing that God has you where he wants you, and he wants to put you to work for him, for his kingdom. Um, and it gives us great freedom to know that what we're doing um, can make a difference. 
and I think about the wages and how much each person made, <clears throat> and um, our wage for what we've done is death, and Christ is offering us grace, mercy, and life. Uh, whether we start the beginning of our life, whether we start the later years of our life, he's offering each one of us life with him, um, and that's great. So God is good. We don't have to look elsewhere. He's offering us everything we need. All we need to do is uh, open our eyes, change our heart perspective, uh, and let him rule as king. Um, kids are going to join us here shortly, um, help us uh, celebrate and respond and, and um, really worship him as king this morning, taking what we've learned here and, and using it the rest of the week. Um, as we get ready to respond to what we've heard this morning and, um, and worship our great king, we're going to do that in a few different ways. We're going to start with um, uh, some singing. So <clears throat> Glenn's going to lead us in some more wonderful songs to worship our Lord, um, preparing our hearts. Um, for a Lord that is worthy. Um, we're also going to uh, give. We give in many different ways here at LSC, and Sunday mornings is our opportunity to give of our tithes and offerings. Um, for those of us that call this uh, church home, uh, it's what we believe God calls us to do. So uh, the buckets are going to be passed, and uh, if you feel led, that's your opportunity to give. Um, if you're visiting, we ask that you don't worry about that, and you just let it go past. Um, we're also going to take, we're going to take communion. Um, that's there in the back for those that call Jesus Lord and uh, have confessed. Um, that's back there for you to partake. And we, we love taking communion together as family. Um, so grab your family, grab your friends, uh, and take that together. Uh, remembering that the, that's Christ's body broken for you. That's Christ's blood spilt for you. Um, and that's the what we're remembering when we do that. So um, just take this time. Um, to respond and and to see where, where God's tugging on your heart, asking you to change and, and come with a little bit different perspective um, for where he's calling you to do some work for him. Um, so let's pray, and then um, and we'll get that opportunity to respond. Heavenly Father, Lord, we are so grateful that you call us, Lord, that uh, you, didn't, you don't just come once, you don't just come twice, but you came endlessly all the way to the end, Lord. You're always there, always ready. Um, to offer us work, to offer us your love, your grace, your mercy, Lord, no matter what. And we are uh, just in awe of the ways that you work and uh, the patience that you have with us, Lord. Uh, and we thank you for that. Lord, we just ask that you prepare our hearts and minds uh, for a little bit of time of reflection, Lord. And we thank you for uh, for everything, Lord. As God stated, you, uh, you provide all things, Lord. So... May we recognize that and stop looking elsewhere and just look to you because you are good and you provide all that we need, uh, including your son, Jesus. And it's in his wonderful and holy name that we say amen.